Hello and welcome to Board Stupid, the podcast that loves talking tabletop board games, D&D and other awesome stuff. I'm Wayne. I'm Simon. And I'm Howard. Oh, hello Howard. How you doing? Well, Good. look who we found. We've got another guest. We're just a couple of nerds talking about the things that we love that are worth geeking out over. So, Howard, are you ready? I think I am. Simon, are you ready? Oh yeah. I'm ready. If you guys are ready, let's dive into this week's episode. In this week's episode, it's my pleasure to introduce Howard, otherwise known to me as H, co-founder and director of The Comic Shop in Crawley, which is uh, me and Simon's very favourite space for D&D, board games, and Howard's specialty, comics. Uh, We're very close with the guys here at The Comic Shop and always look forward to coming here for recording or otherwise, as uh, Simon and I will either be running in or participating in a variety of activities in the shop. All the things, all the things. All the things, all the time. Um, But the shop also has a hugely solid library of comics, Um, and you're known as something of the comics guru here at the shop. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that, why you wanted to open the comic shop in the first place? What got you into comics? So, firstly, Wayne, thank you, comics guru, that's one for the headstone. Um, (laughs) Not yet, obviously. (laughs) Um, Let's hope. It really started, I think I was roughly about four years old, so back in 1922. Um, <laughs> it, it was my mum's fault, really. Um, she would go to the local newsagents who had just freshly started stocking comic books. And we're not just talking your, your dandies and your beanos or your 2008 days. We're talking about American-style comic books. And this was something new for me. Um, mm. It's quite exciting. And uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of latched on to the size and the format and, and just the, the style of the art and the, the stories. It, it was amazing stuff. So yeah, it was, it was my mum. She, she turned me into the um, absolute nerd that you see before you. Oh, okay. So uh, what was the uh, shop selling? Was it selling uh, sort of your Marvels and, and DCs? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking like the early to mid 80s. It was your obvious stuff. It was Marvel, DC. Uh, a lot of the now mainstream competitors were not around in those days, so that there was no Dark Horse Comics or mm-hmm. Image or Boom or Dynamite who have really, really picked up their boots uh, over the last decade or so and given mm-hmm. the big boys a, a run for their money. Do you remember what the very first one was? I do. Yeah, what was the first comic you ever, uh, you ever got? It was uh, New Mutants. Uh, no, I no. It was X Factor number six, and this was the very X first X Factor number X six. X Factor, yeah, okay. yeah. I'm um, assuming this is X Men related. This this was the offshoot, first real uh, offshoot tangent um, title of the X Men, uh, based around some existing characters and some new characters. But yeah, issue six, which unbeknownst to myself at the time, but now being the, the guru that I apparently am, uh, <laughs> first appearance of the character Apocalypse. It's oh. um, so now quite a, a rare sort after book. Interesting. So in terms of comics then, I guess, uh, first appearances is quite a value add when you're looking at comics. Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I think anybody looking to get into collecting would say first appearance. Um, but equally, um, a last appearance, a death of... Um, even uh, an anniversary edition like issue 100, 150, 200, 
the criteria is quite broad, so um, I think you can't go wrong with the first appearance as long as it's a character that, that has entered the social conscious. Um, so, mm. yeah, yeah, your Spider-Mans and your X-Mens and your Fantastic Fours, etc., etc. Uh, but even down to villains and minor characters. So when you take Iron Man, um, his, his once-time wife and girlfriend, Pepper Potts, uh, the first appearance of that character, something like that, it, 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 it depends on what somebody's geeking out. Do you think now with... Uh, newer comics whether you're able to spot what might become that crucial key character on their first appearance or is that going to be a very tough job uh very tough yeah tough question that i i think you can you can personally gauge what what you like and what has come before um as to what the the population the comic book collecting population will, will latch on to, but it, it depends, really. Um, you're not always going to get a Punisher or a Daredevil or, or a, a Captain America. Sometimes you just get a, a war machine. Let's talk a little bit about the types of comics that you've got here at the shop and the spread of genres in general. I mean, you have quite a spread of genres here, right? We do, yeah. Um, when we first opened, I, I had to kind of use my own my own base uh, knowledge of of what guys our age would would be into, mm-hmm. um, which was initially our target audience. But we noticed that that more families and kids were coming up uh, coming into the store, um, and they were asking for more age appropriate titles. So it, it kind of made me step up my game a little bit, get out of my box, my, my way of thinking, and not just making it hero centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we 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 range from Marvel, DC, uh, Image. Uh, Dark Horse, Dynamite, boom, the list goes on. But I think publishers have really sort of tapped into the, the current uh, boom in um, superhero films and like the zeitgeist of superheroes. Absolutely, yeah. Which, which, yeah, it's a good word that. Which is the catalyst really for everything that's now come afterwards. But you've now got a slurry of TV shows and cartoons, um, even podcasts and radio shows. That's right. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I, I've started bringing in um, younger uh, target audience books like My Little Pony, Sonic the Hedgehog, mm-hmm. um, even some of the, the younger Marvel action comics, which which gives a, a younger audience something to latch onto, and then they can get into the big boy stuff. The big boy stuff. <laughs> I suppose for the uninitiated, again, when you think comics, you might have a pre- um, disposed outlook on what that might be but there are literally comics for everybody right there are yeah absolutely and um i think once upon a time especially when i was a boy it really was just superman spider-man and and, and batman but yeah, you're, you're, you're blockbuster titles really isn't it i think we've now discovered something interesting that although the superhero genre will proliferate it's going to continue um there's too much money in it um but now people are looking for real storylines about real characters so it's not just your out of this world characters that are, that are, are selling books um, it's now about romance um, real life stories uh, people want something grounded they do yeah absolutely you, you can put a touch of the fantastical in there but I think as long as there's something that people can now relate to um, society's moved on slightly and with that I think the the once stale comic book publishing business uh, has now realized that they need to really get to grips with the current audience Um, so it's good Uh, and I I try to get in as much as I can uh, that I think might interest people but I again I rely on the the likes of yourselves to tell me what you want sure I think that's a good point to make actually Simon Um, and and how it is um, for me at least 
when I like heroes, I mean, my, my guy was always Daredevil. I like a superhero with a human side and a, like a flaw, right? Yeah, the flawed characteristics on with those neuroses and something yeah. that's more, not necessarily approachable, but something you can see a bit of yourself in more directly than... Yeah, I was You're never really powerful Kryptonian. Yeah, I was never really a Superman guy, but I yeah, absolutely always liked uh, always liked Daredevil, that that someone that has a challenge to overcome um that is more than, you know, more than his abilities might give him sometimes. Yeah, and I I think again that is an organic process with the publishing um industry where they want to keep these characters going but they've realized again if you want to keep it real then you need to introduce something that, that people will understand into their backstories into their lives so daredevil in particular um i mean he was always a tragic character really but uh, a hard drinking gambling father killed when he Drug was a boy that, yeah, yeah. painkillers in the, in the frank miller stuff at least and, absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and really really pushed to the, to the nth degree with frank miller his tragic backstory um it, it brought out I think a, a, a brand new nuance to the character again with Batman again with even Spider-Man now I mean Spider-Man was very very sanitised when he first appeared but now um, his, his life is tinged with tragedy which has brought out very very interesting storylines and some hard hitting stuff as well mm. there seems to be more choice than ever before um, how would you recommend someone who's interested in getting into comics uh, for the first time, how would you recommend they take that first step in finding out what they might like? Because the range is so vast, there's so much choice, um, especially when seeing all the things like the different universes, the spin-offs, um, the series, all the smaller publishers as well. There really is no science behind it. Um, I think, in particular with myself, when I was when I was younger, um, I, so I, my mum would buy me X-Men, uh, Fantastic Four, uh, even Superman, who... who Interestingly, as, as beige and vanilla as he can be, he grew up for me yeah. uh, to be quite an interesting character. When you, when you look beyond the fact that, yeah, he is this almighty, super powerful Kryptonian alien who, who just cannot be defeated week after week, that, that proves to be quite boring. But um, they, they introduced a, um, a real character to him. But mm. uh, I think essentially you need to recognise what you're interested in pick up a few books if there's something in there a storyline a character even the artwork if you can relate to the artwork go from there really um a lot of people walk into the store and they ask me should i start from a number one? Oh, i need to start from a number one yeah that that has always been one of my key things are like well where where do i begin they're on episode 406 do i need can i pick this up just now do i need so you to- don't need to start from a number one episode you do not no no i We've reached that stage where any point is a jumping on point just to to get into a storyline. Even if you're halfway through one, you know that in a couple of months' time, a new storyline will start. And that will give you the opportunity to to decide whether or not this is the character for me or this is is the story for me or the artwork or the artist or the writer. Yeah, I guess that's a a good gripping point. If you manage to start partway in and you still go on, then that's something obviously connected with you. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, it's not just about... The superheroes, like I said, you know, and we've got science fiction books, mm. love, interest books, romance, uh, action, adventure, war. There, there is something for everybody. Yeah. So the one thing that I try to do without influencing people's decision about what I think they might like is just chat to them for two minutes, find out what sort of person they are and, and just kind of give them the book that they probably deserve. Yeah. So you've got essentially going for a movie equivalent, you've got your indie and your world cinema as well as your Hollywood 
You have, yeah. And, and interestingly, on that, that fact, uh, I, t I touched on some of the, the other big publishers now, like uh, Image and Dynamite. They've really uh, sort of cornered the market in, in indie books. Um, so they've left the, the big publishers to do their superhero thing. Um, but um, a book that I think you, you two guys could relate to, uh, Die. Um, by Image, um, which is oh. very, very D&D &D orientated. Oh, really? Interesting. Ooh. Oh, okay, okay, right. Well, we, we, as in dice. Right, so as yeah. in dice. Oh, so yeah, instantly yeah, yeah. intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> we, we must talk about Wait that Wait a second, later. this is relevant to my interests. <laughs> I see, yeah. Okay, good. I can't believe you didn't know. Um, yeah, so a, a title that, that sort of spans a bit of fantasy, um, a bit of science fiction, but it, it's, its roots are in tabletop gaming. Um so uh, again, if, if somebody from the D and D community says, "Oh, is there anything I can get into?" That's something I can instantly relate to them. I had no idea. I'm, I'm genuinely now wanting to go and search through the racks for that. <laughs> Speak to me after the show. We'll do it. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, there is something for everybody. There's a, a young lady that comes in occasionally and picks a random selection of books off the shelf, and uh, I, I questioned her one day. I said, "Well, what is it about these titles that?" that you particularly like and uh, she said it's just the artwork I just pick what I like it looks nice yeah, I, I, I love doing that I do that with CDs remember CDs folks do you remember those um, <laughs> optical, yeah, optical back, digital back media back on a physical time. product <laughs> but I'd go to there's a cool shop in Reading and I'd go and they've got racks much like a comic book back hat and I'd just flick through and go that's a really cool piece of art I'm going to buy it and then you just you fall in love you find your new favourite just from going yeah sure that looks like the thing for me yeah, and, and it's the same process applies. So uh, it's hit and miss. You either like the art but hate the story or, or vice versa. But again, it, whatever the attraction is, it, it, that, that essentially is a nice starting point. That's something that I like to see, that people just come in and they make that informed decision by themselves because yeah. no one else has told them that you must buy that book. That's the popular thing. Yeah. They've discovered it and, and that's their way into the industry. So we talked about the first comic you ever bought. Right, which was uh, X Factor issue six. Correct. That's right. Okay, so um, do you have a favourite uh, comic series or comic character, or are they two separate things? Bone of contention. Um, yeah, we we we've split into, I think, uh, several directions on this one. Um, okay. If we take my favourite character, mm -hmm. Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah. Snickety snick. He's the man. <laughs> Cool. Talk to me about Wolverine. What Wolverine. Is about oh, what, what, what isn't there to like? He is cool. Uh, he, cool as hell. He's the man. We do he have a man. time limit. <laughs> I'll keep this brief. Um, it, uh, it's just the look, the attitude of the character. I mean, he is he is virtually unbeatable. I, I, I as a kid, that was that was the bee's knees to me. He was super cool. Yeah, yeah. Was super cool. and also in terms of sort of the Marvel and the X Men, he had something. He had more of an edge, so to speak. You know, not just his his claws, but he did seem to have more of an edge to him. He did, yeah. And uh, what was interesting to see that later on, when they explored a lot of his backstory with the Weapon X storyline, um, he just rose to a whole new level. And because he's a mutant that has uh, unlimited healing factor, he's been around for about 150 years yeah. so that gave the writers the opportunity to really tap into well where's he been before this point yeah. what's he done who's he seen who's he met what, what events has he been involved in and uh, yeah I, I loved it yeah there's huge scope for development in that for sure one of the things I always loved about Wolverine is people always assume oh yeah special powers the claws and I'm like, well 
that's an add-on. His, that's a byproduct. His, yeah, his, of, it's not even that. It's the it's the healing, right? That's his. That's his. Superpower. That as an X Man, that's his mutant power. He, yeah. he has the the healing factor, and yeah. um, everything else was an experiment. Or, it was, yeah. 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 So uh, I I talked about the Weapon X experiment. Um, mm. Some people familiar with the early X Men films will know exactly what that's about. Yeah. Um, but the the adamantium skeleton that he now has was uh, a bolt on. Um, uh, he's called Wolverine because essentially he, he also has some of the traits of a wild animal. He's mm. got a heightened sense of uh, hearing and sight and smell. Um, so yeah, it, it, I think it's that animalistic kind of um, sort of broken gene that they explore in the X Men that, that yeah. really really I, I, I got on board with that. Nice. Yeah, that's that primal instinct pushed to the the limit. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. guess just on that. Um, about sort of close to 20 years ago now, they released a, a series called Origin. It's a Wolverine Origin. So um, something that's in my collection that we had a rifle through earlier. Um, we had a few of those. Um, did you read Origin at all? Uh, Origin was one of those things that kind of bypassed me. Uh, I was at a stage in my life where uh, other things were going on, uh, tragically. So uh, yeah, comic books kind of a little bit took a bit of a back seat. Um, but I mean, Origin, again, uh, an amazing story where they took such a rich character mm. uh, and decided that they needed to in- investigate where this, this character came from. It really distilled down the beginning of, or, of uh, Yeah, Wolverine. absolutely, yeah, to the grassroots of him. And um, I think what we now see with Hugh Jackman on the screen, that it took a lot from Origin. So do you have a favourite series? Is that a different question to having a favourite character? Would the favourite series be X-Men? It's definitely in the top five. Okay. Um, I think... Yeah, uh, well, it's hard I, to put a hard to put a finger on. I'd go as far as to say top three, really. The thing about the X Men and quite prevalent in today's society, especially with um, our social awareness of of the fact that we have such a rich, diverse uh, population of people across the globe. Um, it's it's now allowed people to understand that being different is is okay. Yeah. Um, that we aren't all considered what is the, the statutory norm. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's something to, to relate to in each one of those characters. So X-Men most definitely, for the writing, the idea, Stanley was a genius. Um, yeah. We talked earlier about giving uh, characters a bit more of a harder edge or, or, or sort of a, a real dimension to yeah, them. Yeah, a bit of humanism to them. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, and that was one of the things that I think that Marvel did better than DC, especially back in the early 60s. Even right. Spider-Man in the early days, well, was, had that human, he was a student. You know, so, he did, yeah. yeah. He was a kid uh, at college. and uh, Like emotional troubles like everyone else. He did, yeah. He, he lost his uncle and the real world was against him as well as as well as the the villainous world trying to kill him in his spare time so just characters like that or the fantastic four who are a dysfunctional family mm-hmm. um even captain america who who the big boy in blue was was born out of time and he had to socially readjust uh, again stuff in the 60s i think was quite tame but now now it's given a new dimension Pick another one that's right up there. Uh, okay, um, I'm going to geek out here now, and it's it's not your uh, your sort of common or garden superhero. That's what we want. Um, I was very much into Marvel, the Marvel UK imprint in the uh, early '80s, and in the mid '80s, uh, they rejuvenated a character, a homegrown character called Captain Britain. I remember Captain Britain. I remember Captain. He Britain. rocked my world again. <laughs> uh, quite a, a vanilla character in the seventies, but 
during the mid 80s sort of boom of UK comic books uh, and we're talking the same sort of time that Moore took Watchmen mm. and, and introduced us to this dark deceptive world of heroes mm. I use with inverted commas such a good writer yeah amazing who who weren't really heroes they were just doing what they had to do to get by mm. so with a, a little bit of that edge they introduced that into the Captain Britain character it was darker it was deeper it, it was it had more dimension to it. It had more dimension to it. Yeah, spot on. Um, and I think, again, it, the time was right and uh, that character really took off for me. So what happened to Captain Britain? Nothing. He's still going. He's still going. He's very much alive. Uh, he, he's now mainstream in, in the US Marvel comic book line of Excalibur, another X-Men imprint. You mentioned Watchmen there. I, and, well, I suppose it, it just puts in my mind... I've always had in my head that there's a separation between a graphic novel, which is what I think of Watchmen as, and comics or comic books. Do you think there's much of a distinction still? Or is that me being a layman not understanding the difference? Well, with Watchmen, it was a monthly 12-issue series to begin with, mm. and a lot of people didn't understand it. Uh, with Alan Moore, he, he's quite... Um, He's an eccentric character. He's an eccentric character, but he's quite divisive with his writing. And yeah, I, it took a while for people to really get to grips with what he had done. And um, it was when they the, the series had finished, it was introduced as a graphic novel. Graphic novels were really taking off and people were able to digest this thing all in one go. And uh, I think when you have something like that and you're able just to read it straight through and get the point of what that writer was trying to, to convey, um, that was when Watchmen really, really hit its stride. Mm. So you need to treat it as more holistic, as, as an item, like listening to an album that's curated rather than... A I, do you know what? Track. I couldn't put it better than that. Yeah, it, it's one of those unique books that needs to be indulged in, it needs to be understood, and mm. it needs to be enjoyed rather mm. than just read. What have you got under the counter here that's quite interesting... Um, that people might be interested in. Do you have anything p particularly special that you've got locked away? Uh, we have. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around for it, I'll be honest. I'm, <laughs> I'm usually quite secretive. I, th I always try to gauge whether or not that you've got a real collector in the store. And if somebody approaches me with a question like that and, mm. and we chat again for two minutes, I'll figure out what sort of person you are. And I think, right... It's time to unveil the collection. <laughs> let's, let's unlock the unlock the <laughs> box. Unlock the vault. Defended by Thor's hammer. <laughs> Peel that door back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Avoid ah. the lasers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Champagne falls from the stars and the, yeah. the streets of paper gold. But um, <laughs> we've, uh, I would say we've got quite a, a varied selection of Marvels and DCs. Um, they're what the industry would call Silver Age. Okay. Wow. We've got a couple. Couple of golden ages. Um, I will relay later what they are. Okay. Um, but yeah, when I talk about Silver Age, I mean the uh, era between around about 1968 to about 1975, um, and then we moved on to what would be called the Copper or, or Modern Era. Um, but yeah, we got some nice titles, some good old Spidey titles, which I know you're yeah, a yeah. fan of. Oh, a big um, fan, yeah. Uh, a lot of Fantastic Four, Thor, Batman, Superman. There's lots to see. Very nice. So when you're buying uh, comics, um, what sorts of things are you looking for? I mean, what does, what does that process look like? Do people come to you with just like a, a, a box of stuff and say, here, what do you want? For, yeah, what, can I, what can I get for this? 
are you being more curative with your purchases? So in the first instance, yes, people literally come to us and say, what are you going to give me for my box of comics? The thing that I, I like to do is to rifle through a box, see what's there. I mean, Chris Marvel sometimes, I don't do it on purpose, but I, I literally take 15 seconds just to spin through a box and I'll say, yeah, we'll take it or we won't take it. Yeah. He looks at me, but I think deep down, there's, I'm hoping there's that trust that he knows I'm making the right decision. It's like Rain Man. <laughs> it's it literally like Rain Man, yeah. Yeah, I've already, I've already kind of decided you, you what's in that, there. Yeah, you've got that collector's eye and maybe that's your, uh, your hidden power. That's my superpower, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. Again, that's going on a tombstone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I've reached that stage in my life where I subconsciously I've digested every cover every title every key uh, comic book that there is yeah. so as soon as I see it uh, without even thinking I know that it's in that box I know that we need to have it and we need to pass it on to somebody else okay very nice so what does that grazing process look like so you've bought those those comics off off uh, you know, whoever Johnny Smith Johnny Smith is coming off the street with his uh, his box of comics that he's had for 20 years in the, in the cellar dumps them on there you, you make a deal he walks away you then start the process of grading those what does that process look like and I uh, just like to say, for uh, uh, legal purposes, I am not an official grader, folks. Um, okay. But I, I use my thirty-five years of ex- of comic book collecting experience to to be able to ninety-nine percent say uh, what I think that a grade of a comic book might be. Let's uh, just a quick segue before we go back into that process. What's an official grader? You're gonna have to tell me what that is. An official grader. Well, there are several companies mainly US based um, one of them has just introduced a, a London uh, office so um, an official grader will sit uh, I mean these guys are experts they, they have literally got a degree in, in comic book history right okay um, so they will sit with uh, with a presented book uh, they will delicately handle it um, and and this is real white gloves territory here. Yeah, um, tweezers and the gentlest. Absolutely, the gentlest yeah, touch. yeah. I yeah. mean, I'll pick up one of your books here, Wayne, just to, to give you a, a rough uh, example of what they do. Mm. They'll first of all start at the top left-hand corner and work their way down the spine of the book. They'll be looking for imperfections. Is it broken? Is it twisted? Is it bent? Uh, they'll come down and basically do the whole circumference of the book. Is there a, a bend? Is there a tear? Is there a discoloration to the cover? Mm. Um, is there any price marks, pen marks? Has somebody put their name in it, the, the news agent stamp, etc.? The, the list is absolutely endless. Did Johnny colour it in himself? Did Johnny yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Johnny deface this valuable piece of history? <laughs> How dare you, Johnny? How dare you, Johnny? Don't, don't set foot in my shop ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they'll start on the cover they'll go to the back um, yeah. they'll work their way through the inside what is the age of the book uh, are the, the pages yellowed or discoloured uh, for the comic book collecting community these are important things so um, a value of a book um, condition wise will be determined exactly how it, how it looks nice. so they're like the, the official Guinness standard and you're more like an enthusiastic Roy Castle I, I am trumpet and all. Yeah, um, <laughs> as a reference for <laughs> So uh, yeah, they are. I mean, one of the the top companies is the CGC, the uh, Comics Grading Company, mm-hmm. and um, they have literally cornered the market in taking a book, grading it, mm-hmm. and then they will stick a 
a point value to that book depending on their grade. So uh, if a book is graded um, in near mint condition, which essentially means it's basically all been touched or just looked at by the by a human being um, well, you may as well have bought it when it came out almost yeah yeah, 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 you're, yeah. you're nearly there like you're that, nearly yeah. there but unfortunately the oxygen has been introduced to the, to the paper yeah um oh, wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> they could give it a 9.8 or a 9.9 um it only goes up to 10 there are no 10s 9.9 is the highest that you can go so essentially from um your perspective what the official graders do you try to replicate in some in some respect, right? Yeah, I do. And uh, as uh, an industry within itself, the comic book uh, community have access to uh, a, a not exclusive book. It's called the uh, Overstreet uh, Guide to Comic Book Grading, which uh, the guys at CGC and the CBC use themselves. Um, it, it gives you a basic breakdown of uh, prices and grades based on age. Uh, again, we talked about first yeah. appearances, uh, title, uh, death of, etc., etc. So, mm. based on its age, its scarcity, its rarity, or its collectability, that will be a point of the grade. And uh, yeah, it, it's a useful tool, and I, I really couldn't be without it because I'm just not that good. <laughs> okay. So we talked about the rare collection. You talked about the grading process. So it just so happens um, that I brought along my collection with me. Um, that I've had for a, a long old time at this point. Um, now, before we started the recording, I asked you to take a quick peek through using your, your Rain Man powers to uh, rifle through and, and, and pluck out some interesting things of value or something that looked interesting we could talk about. So what did you pick out for me, Howard, and why are these particular books interesting to you? Well, we talked about Wolverine and Origin, and as, an, as a Wolverine fan, I should have instantly sort of extracted those books. I didn't. Ah. Um, I've chosen to look at your Spider-Man collection and uh, yeah. without <gasps> me even knowing, yeah, I'm just lifting this, without me even knowing that you're a Daredevil fan, yeah. <laughs> I, I've picked out The Man Without yeah, Fear. Yeah, for sure. Um, John Romita Jr. Oh, Unbelievable. Uh, even, even John Romita, I mean, yeah, what a family. They, mm. um, I think during this period, I'm looking at a book now from the mid-90s uh, it's Carnage and Venom versus the Amazing Spider-Man issue three six two. You're very lucky, Wayne. This has uh, got a little bit of a price tag on it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we discussed. Treasure, treasure it forever. Um, but yeah, I, uh, to sidestep myself just for two seconds, the period of time that this book came out, the comic book industry was really fighting for survival. Um, yeah, we were seeing uh, new characters being introduced, I think rather desperately, really, and it was quite sad to see, because uh, in the mid-90s you had an influx of Arnie and Stallone films, which in themselves are great. I mean, my childhood would, wouldn't have grown into a teenager, wouldn't have been anywhere as exciting without them, but it did have a huge influence on the comic book industry, and um, writers and, and creators like Rob Liefeld, who was the uh, creator of Deadpool. Okay sort of got it a bit wrong and uh, started beefing up characters with overinflated muscles. Uh, everybody had a, a pouch belt. Uh, everybody had a, a giant uh, a Kalashnikov rifle. I was about to say, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I understand, yeah. Yeah, sure. and uh, yeah. Uh, it really got out of control. Um, it, it was lunacy. But um, with that, 
uh, a lot of these uh, well-established characters, like Spider-Man, uh, were suffering. But um, so going back to the book, uh, Amazing Spider-Man three six two, you've got Carnage Part two. Now Carnage, amazing character, born out of Venom, the symbiote. Uh, it's his son, for want of a, a better word. Um, but this this really sort of reinvigorated Spider-Man as a title. Mm, okay. Um, and uh, it, it sort of brought back the industry, especially for Marvel. Uh, they started realising that storytelling and good artwork can never be beaten uh, over a, a muscular frame and a, a pouch belt. As always, I'm going to tie into wrestling. It's, instead of having everyone being the ultimate warrior, you've got some of your slightly off, off-centre characters with totally different move sets as it were you got yeah and and uh, just to geek out absolutely for two seconds i mean you've talked about wwf or wwe as it is now in in the mid 90s we we had the whole attitude era yeah um so again it, it was all about uh the, the hard-edged kind of blood and guts and and uh sex cells era and i think that did have a lot of influence over the comic book industry at the time because wwf was so big um so, yeah, sex was making its way into the comic book industry, mm. which I think as a subject, it has to be tackled. Uh, it just went spectacularly the wrong way right, uh, in okay. the mid-90s. And, and again, so this was something else that, that really affected the industry and nearly sent it under they completely. Sunk it, really. So, yeah. That oh, yeah, it, 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 wouldn't, it would have disappeared completely. For, for want of a better word, they, they pumped in the sex where they maybe shouldn't have. They yeah. did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, what else have we got in here that uh, might be worth looking at? Well, so, uh, again, I'm looking at a, a lot of Venom. Um, I'm, I'm realising what you were into. Yeah, that's me and my brother. My brother especially <laughs> loves Venom. So we, we've uh, got a collection of the, the colourised uh, holographic covers for the... The 30th anniversary. 30th anniversary of Spider-Man. These um, holographic covers are amazing. I, they were. They were, once upon a time. Once upon a time. I mean, uh, you know, as a teenager, they were the best thing since sliced bread. I loved them. And... Um, I'm quite jealous, Wayne, because I still don't have the green Spider-Man cover. So um, <laughs> you, you need to kind of... Well, show me your vault. We'll, 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 <laughs> oh, talk, yeah. we'll talk. Maybe a trade <laughs> in, we'll in order. Absolutely. We'll talk, we'll talk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hologram covers, brilliant. Uh, again, mid-90s, the volume two of X-Men came out. Um, and with it, another industry killer was the, the multiple variant covers. Okay. Which started with X-Men Volume 2, number one. I think and that was, was a bad move. Uh, for collectors, they loved it for about a year and then all of a sudden the industry felt the impact because they kept producing these covers. Uh, so I think yeah. with X-Men, you had uh, 752 different covers for v- issue one and it really it, it hit the collector where it hurt 752 <laughs> uh, I think in an alternative reality I think we're talking about 8 but okay, yeah. yeah still I'm enough. just thinking back enough. to a recent issue of uh, Metal Hammer where they had a different cover for every member of Slipknot so that's 9 for oh, those not Jesus and, but people buy it they well, do, they do. Yeah. yeah but how far is, is enough yeah, uh, they still do it to this day. I think they've learned from their lesson and, and they keep it quite bespoke now and the covers are quite special is there any industry in just the artwork do they produce the covers for purchase separately almost uh so the raw artwork is available they do them as prints posters um yeah not as a product but the i think there is a market for that availability Uh, and as we discussed earlier some of this artwork is truly phenomenal it's beautiful i mean some of it's great um i'm just looking at your collection of daredevil the man without fear now these are nice square bound books uh and 
we'll just look at some of the names on there. Yeah. We've got Frank Miller, John Romita Jr., Al Williamson. Mm. Um, so a who's who, really, isn't it? It's it, amazing. At the time, an absolute who's who. And again, it was another industry-defining moment um, that took Daredevil, a hard-bitten, hard-nosed character, but it really pushed him into the stratosphere and gave us the character that we see on TV today with, with the old Netflix series. Mm. Soon-to-be Disney series. Oh. I'm seeing Kingpin on that cover. Every time I see him, I'm reminded how cool a character Kingpin is. And that's a bastard. Oh, he's a but brilliant, yeah, brilliant character. Ostensibly a regular guy in the sense of no super power to be a villain with other than just being an no not at all and and i think he he falls into that that lex luther category where he's he's so damn clever that who needs a superpower when you can literally think your way out of a situation i mean he he's he's like a moriarty really he, you know he's, he he just wants to use that intellect for self gain but you know hey we're not perfect um, but yeah, I, I like Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin as a character. Again, with a TV series, they really... I think they did a good job there, I personally. think Vincent D'Onofrio, he took that character and he's made it his own. I can't see anybody else being Kingpin. Gave him a depth and, and a vulnerability, I think, that, yeah, that people really, really did. That with. vulnerability is key, I think, yeah. It really uh, speaks yeah, but to But heroes or villains, really, isn't it? You kind yeah. of need to relate to both yeah. for it to work. And as much as you would want to root for Daredevil, he's, he's the eponymous hero. I actually liked... Kingpin in yeah. that series. And what's this last one we've got here? It's kind of uh, sadly not in uh, any sort of protection. It's probably one that was rooting around in, uh, in the bottom of the box. So what we're looking at here uh, is probably one of the most timeless classics. And uh, if anybody was able to find an original copy of it. Ah, yes, that's right. It's a, you, a, a reprint. Kind you, of. It is indeed a reprint. Yeah, I would say this thing looks pristine for something that's also priced at 12 cents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know what? Yeah, I, I, hats off to you. It looks great. Um, so we're looking at Amazing Fantasy issue 15, the very first uh, appearance of Spider-Man. But no, this is obviously a, an, an original one of these would... Oh, that would, that would fetch a pretty penny. We're talking millions. Yeah. We're talking millions. Yeah, yeah. I think we'd still be picking Howard up off the floor. <laughs> yeah, 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 Not sure. quite Action Comics number one, the first appearance of Superman. I mean, that, that, that has, has gone into double figures now, I think. But Amazing Fantasy number 15 is the close second to most collectible comic book in, in the entire universe. Do you feel like um, comic writing has become uh, safer than it used to be? Um, shying away from some of the really dark stuff like we saw with Frank Miller's era um, and Alan Moore. Um, where it really sort of pushed the boundaries in that sort of dark, almost twisted, very adult way, um, even pushing that into the mainstream characters like Daredevil. I think there's still a place for that, and you do see particular storylines coming along, um, especially DC now with their Black Label. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a way for more adult readers to enjoy storylines the way that an adult probably only an adult could. Um, so you've got your sanitised versions of Harley Quinn and Batman and, and characters like that. Um, but yeah, there's still the place. Uh, and they, the industry calls it an imprint. You always had Max by Marvel or um, Marvel Knights. Um, oh, I'm struggling to think of the, the, the old DC. Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Mm. The Vertigo title, yeah, Vertigo, yeah. which introduced, reintroduced Swamp Thing, uh, gave us John Constantine, the Hellblazer, Sandman, uh, a lot of characters like this who, who wouldn't have been around if, if these, these publishers hadn't taken that opportunity, that, 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 oh, that chance really, to see if it would work, a, a sort of a, a more, more adult tone. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think especially with the advent of the Marvel universe on on the big screen, um, because they now are owned by Disney. Disney are being responsible mm-hmm. and sort of cleaning up uh, a lot of the, the, especially the Marvel books at the moment. Not to the nth degree, but just enough to make it uh, universally acceptable so that all kids and adults of all ages can read them. You're saying there with movies or the movie industry influencing comics, how do you think something like Joker has almost gone the opposite direction? Yeah, that's sort of tying in with that black label stuff. Joker's definitely the opposite direction. It is. And again, uh, you know, there is still a place for that. And um, I think they did a really good job with Joker. I loved that movie. It, not not fan- necessarily a super villain movie. No, not at all. Piece. It was just a fantastic piece of drama movie yeah. making. Yeah, and Joaquin Phoenix, you know, think of what you will about him. But I, I think he, he brought out an absolutely amazing performance there. Uh, people walked away from the cinemas thinking, well, that wasn't a Batman film. Well, no, of course it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it was about this character yeah. who just so happened to embody what we know as the Joker. It was a character study more than anything else. It was, yeah, yeah, a very interesting one. Wasn't it very similar to the Killing Joke series, right? From, um, I, I say similar to or inspired by maybe? Uh, a lot of influence came from that one book. And yeah. no, again, another, book, sorry, yeah. Yeah, another era-defining storyline, mm. the Killing Joke. Um, I think a lot of what we see and what we read now... You could look at it as being rehashed. I like to say homaged. Or inspired by. Inspired yeah. by, yeah. Um, it's just another version of a, of a classic tale. Yeah. So for those who haven't uh, sort of read or seen it, The Killing Joke was uh, sort of the Joker as a failed stand-up comedian, right? Sort of uh, in, in some respects with, with issues. And I uh, think that was the premise, yeah. yeah. And he, he found his, uh, stumbled his way into crime. Mm. Um started off as uh, he had one sort of uh, identity so we didn't really know who the joker was before he became the joker uh he was the up uh, the red hood i do believe mm. uh in this particular story and um, we learn how this this joker becomes the joker but it, yeah it, it didn't hold back mm. um there was some pretty uh, intense uh, themes in that mm. story and uh yeah it, uh, again it paved the way for what we know today so howard what are you reading at the moment i assume at some point in your endless working life and running of a comic shop you actually give yourself a moment to peel open the pages of something fresh i am um and it's quite topical and i think you've probably uh, gathered my likes and interests as far as comic books go when i say that i'm revisiting uh, v for vendetta oh um, very nice oh, again by yes. alan moore yeah um I, I do pick up the odd issue of something here at the shop um but i, I I don't want to commit myself to something where I'll, I will need to destroy my own bank balance in order to, to <laughs> <laughs> in order to pursue that. Um, yeah, there's there's some good stuff out at the moment, and and I could give out a thousand and one recommendations, but Viva Vendetta is uh, yeah yeah that's that's what I'm indulging in at the moment. Do you have any uh, news that you can share about the shop with anyone? Anything else that you want to uh, want to get out there? Well, seeing as this is the the comics centric uh, podcast yeah. of this series, um, I'll, I'll basically say that. Uh, the last couple of months has been tough for everybody and uh, we, we've all done a good job of, of pulling together with this thing. Um, as far as the comic shop is concerned, uh, we had to suspend uh, our influx of comic books uh, because Diamond, uh, the only distributor of comic books in the entire universe, um, unfortunately were hit just as hard and just couldn't keep up with the, the distribution uh, of the books across the planet. So uh, as a consequence, yeah, we we haven't had any books for quite a while. Uh, I did communicate via our various social medias to say that everybody's subscription is safe. 
anybody who wants me to uh, get their books to them, uh, I'm more than happy. Uh, a lot of people have taken that up. But this is my re reiteration of this. Um, we don't know how long we're going to be sort of cooped up for. Um, I'm still more than happy uh, to, to get people's books to them by mail. Just get in contact with me via social media, via uh, our email or, or even by telephone. Uh, it's usually one of us here uh, still doing some work. Uh, we need to get this place ship shape and uh, tip top for when you guys and girls come back in. So um, I can happily say that as of today, uh, Diamond are now delivering comic books. Your subscriptions are back up and running. Nice. Um, just let me know what you want so facebook.com slash the comic shop uh, indeed I think we're down as TCS Crawley uh, so you can probably find us like that um, but just tap in the comic shop we're the only one that comes up boys and girls very nice so the comic shop and you guys have a web presence as well we do uh, nice and simple thecomicshop.co.uk uh, we are on Instagram again just tap in the comic shop I think we, we still have a Twitter handle that's there as well um, but yeah uh, our generic email is info info at thecomicshop.co.uk so plenty of ways to get hold of us uh, i'm always on hand to help okay thanks for listening to board stupid subscribe to us for updates and to get future episodes of the show delivered directly to your ear holes via your favorite podcast service you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash stupid board nerds that's b-o-a-r-d I don't know if it's growing on me if I hate it more and more every time I say it, but I'm going to carry on with it. Hey, your comic books should be boarded, right? They should, uh, correct, they should be boarded. Anyway, um, you can find us on Twitter at, uh, at Board Nerd. Again, B-O-A-R-D. Um, we don't have an Instagram, we're not that cool. Uh, but you can also find us on Podbean, on Spotify, on Podcast Addicts. Google Podcasts. On Apple Google Podcasts. Apple Music. That's right. There's another one I forgot. Um, you can find us everywhere that you might find your favourite flavour of podcasts. Any feedback, comments or questions, stick it in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again real soon. Excelsior! <laughs> <laughs> you got it right, true believers. True believers.